Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May 28th. And our chapter for today is Psalm 19. What a beautiful, beautiful psalm of the glory of God in nature and in His Word. Now, the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork, His craftsmanship. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, a dwelling place in the heavens for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The great revelation of God in nature. Sounds like the Apostle Paul, the rabbi of the New Testament, as he wrote to the church at Rome in Romans chapter 1. He says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Now, don't think I'm going off on a tangent here. What I want you to understand is both the Old and New Testament show general revelation is the gateway to God. It's not what brings people to God. It is what introduces them to God. The scripture says that the heavens show the craftsmanship, the design, the beauty of creation itself. That's why Paul picks up point and says that what can be known of God, that is in an introductory way, in a, introducing who God is, is seen in nature. And the psalmist says that, the Old Testament says that, the New Testament says that, and the Apostle Paul goes on to say that those who do not believe that. They do believe it. They are just trying to suppress it and hold it down because they know the truth. They know that there is a God. Why? Because it's intuitive. Every man is born with the sense that there is someone greater than him, and it takes someone teaching them otherwise for that to become a part of who they are in their knowledge base. But the revelation of God is seen in the heavens. It's seen in the seasons. It's seen in the moon and the stars and the rhythm of it all, the design of it all. This all didn't just happen. That is absolute insanity. It is atheistic, agnostic insanity. Even the smallest mind can understand that everything has its place. Everything has its season. This didn't just evolve. There is no such thing as transmutive evolution. Evolution within species, of course. Evolution in other senses of just evolving and maturing and changing, of course. But to say that there is transmutation, that's another entire category of insanity. 
because what may be known of God is made plain in the creation itself, Romans 1.19. For God has shown it to them. Who is them? It's everyone on earth. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is his character, his nature, are clearly seen. That is that he is a God of cosmos, of order, of design. And they are being clearly understood by the things which are made. That is, all of the moon, the stars, the sun. He is eternal power and Godhead so that anyone anywhere in the earth is without excuse. The reality is when they knew that there was a God, they did not want to glorify him, give him honor and praise and glory and respect and stature as God because then they would be accountable. You see, if there is a creator, someone who made us, and he is a real person, a real being, then we are accountable to that person because, after all, we wouldn't be here without him. And what the atheist who chooses to say there is no God, what he is saying is, I don't want to be accountable to anybody, but all of us are accountable to someone. The heavens declare the glory of God in his firmament, that is, everything we can see in the heavens, not the stellar heavens of the Milky Way and so forth of the universe, but what we can see with our own eyes, without even a telescope. Every day we are reminded that there is a God. Every day, day to day, it utters speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge about the great mysteries of God. And there is no speech, no place on earth, no language where this voice is not heard. In whatever language it is, people know that there is a God. Not only intuitively, subjectively, but objectively, externally, it is in the heavens itself. Now, that gives us a beginning, a basis that there is a supreme being. There is someone out there. But the law of God, that is special revelation. Now, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of these things and many more are called general revelation. That is, that's for everyone. And if someone responds to that, if someone says, oh, I w-, in their heart, they don't have to say it out loud. In their heart, they say, I would like to know more. Then God will get the more. After all, he's sovereign. You say, well, all of those who did not know God, listen. The Bible says all of mankind is running as hard as we can away from God. That's our natural tendency is to move away from God, not toward him. That's what the Bible teaches. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Isaiah 53, 6. You see, we are doing our own thing because we want to be our own God. We want to have a God of our own making. And so the scripture says that whenever we are confronted with God truth, when we respond to that, God will get us more light. We walk in the light we have as we respond to light, God gives us more light. After all, he knows every heart on this planet. Billions, God knows everything. He is omniscient. He knows everything about everybody. You say, well, for that to happen, he'd have to be supernatural. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's complete. It converts the soul. The apostle Peter said in his first letter in the first chapter toward the end of the chapter that it is the incorruptible seed that gives us life. It is the word of God that gives us life. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It's perfect. It is complete. It is established. It makes wise even the simple. The statues of the Lord are right. They rejoice our heart. 
It's like eating sweetness. Not every part of the Word of God is as sweet as another. Some things are hard to be understood. But the commandment of the Lord is enlightening to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, and they are righteous altogether. And they are more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Now, often I have said to people, if I were to say to you, if you will spend an hour every day searching this document for pounds of gold, you will find it. I believe that would motivate some people that name the name of Christ that are God followers to dig deeper. Well, I want to say to you, the words of God and the wisdom of God and the way of God is more precious, more valuable to your life and to your eternity, to your family, to you as a person than any gold that will one day be left behind. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant, who's your servant? Whoever is a servant of Jesus. And in keeping with them, there is great reward. Have you found that to be so? I promise you there is great reward in walking with God. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Wait just a minute. I know when I sin. No, you don't. You do sometimes, but you see, I deal with people all the time, all the time. Throughout every week, I talk with people. They say, well, you know, I don't think that's wrong. I don't feel like that's wrong. What does what you think and what does what you feel have to do with what's right or wrong? You say, well, my conscience is my God. Well, your conscience is corrupt. Without the word of God teaching it, your conscience is corrupt. Your conscience can be seared. Your conscience can be bought. Your conscience can be obfuscated and made unclear. Your conscience can be trained for right or wrong. Your conscience is not always accurate. The word of God is always true. It is the perfect plumb line or standard. It is the template. It is the paradigm. Not what you feel, not what you think. People say, well, I would confess, but I don't see anything to confess. Well, then you're perverted. If God has clearly said this is the way, walk in it, and you say, well, I just don't feel, then what you said is, what I think is more important than what God says. What I think is more important than what God thinks. What I believe is more important than what God says I ought to believe. And you've made yourself a God unto yourself. You have become the arbiter of that which is right and wrong. The scripture says, please, O oh God, cleanse me from secret faults. You say, well, if I know my heart, you don't. Well, if I know you don't, this is what the Bible says. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see, there have been times in my life when I have thought I was doing the right thing and had the right motive. Only when I check myself later, maybe I was influenced by this. Maybe it wasn't as pure as what I thought. Because you see, sometimes there is such a pull and a drive that we make decisions. We justify it and we talk ourselves into it that we really are doing the right thing when we know there is no justification for behavior that goes contrary to the word of God anytime, anywhere. 
And so David prays, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. You know, there are sacrifices for everything in the Old Testament for the people of God that they did uh, trespass. They had sin offerings. They had uh, thank offerings, peace offerings. They had offerings for everything. There is no sacrifice for willful sin. You have to cast yourself on the mercy of God. Presumption. Lord, I'm going to do this, and then I'll ask your forgiveness. You've misunderstood repentance. You've misunderstood forgiveness. You've misunderstood the nature of God himself. Keep me back also. Keep your servant back. That's you. That's me. From presumptuous sins, from willful sins, let them not have dominion over me. You start giving into that, you're going to be a slave to it. Then I shall be blameless, and I will be innocent of the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Throughout many weeks, I say this verse over and over and over again to my heart. I have said it so many times when I get up, not every morning, but many, many mornings in my life before my feet have touched the floor. I've said, let the words of my mouth this day, O God, and the thoughts, the meditations, what I think about this day, be acceptable to you in your sight. Oh God, you are my strength for this day. You are my redeemer. You see, without him, we really are nothing. Without him, we can do nothing that's going to have an eternal impact. I share with leadership throughout this nation, around the world, in the nations where God allows me to serve. I say it to friends and to family. Because it is so true. I say it to churches. Quit worrying about numbers. Quit worrying about whether the numbers are up to your standards or not. A church shouldn't be measured by numbers. It should be measured by impact and influence. And numbers not necessarily will give you an accurate count of your impact on a community, your impact on a particular region, a particular state a section of the country. Sometimes sheer numbers are important and they give some impact, but that which makes the most difference is that which impacts a person, a heart, a family, a church, a community. In other words, in the community where you live, the politicians themselves should think, how is this going to affect this group of people? Because they have influence in my area. You see, we need to be impacting our families. We need to be impacting our churches. We need to be impacting our communities. And that only happens when we walk in the way of God. Let's walk in that way. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.